0: When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's new report, old report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. his New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, November 26th from 8 to 9 Eastern time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, Also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air, again, by calling 929-274-3437. This week, Bethlehem in the college football playoffs as the number four spot is up for grabs. It's week 12 in the National Football League. We'll go over our picks in this week's six-pack and more. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? But we don't know. Well, Al, if you can believe it, another exciting weekend in athletics, a little bit of bedlam and chaos in college football, some exciting games in the National Football League. Some Dwight Howard excitement in the NBA, too, if we want to go there. But I think it is pertinent to start with college football. Number four, Michigan, dethroned by Ohio State. Yet another loss to Big Blue and Coach Jim Harbaugh, who cannot beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Urban Meyer... Excitement! Everybody forget about what happened, and the summer tour continues. The Jim Harbaugh redemption tour is ended. Those aside, though, starting with the college football playoff and a little bit of chaos and bedlam that goes with it because now we get to have a discussion on who that fourth theme will be. Were you surprised at all that Michigan did fall, and what are your thoughts now on who might take that number four
1: throne? Well, Johnny, first of all, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving, and it's a always a great sports weekend because it's a long sports weekend, so no matter how it starts, which is usually uh, quietly in Detroit, as it pretty much did this Thanksgiving weekend uh, with a game-losing interception thrown by their uh, high-priced quarterback as the Bears rolled on, I um, This is pretty much where I thought we were going to be. I never think that Michigan is going to beat Ohio State, especially on the road, until I think Michigan has got a better team than Ohio State. Ohio State's been through a lot of issues this year, which we've been discussing for weeks leading up to the season. One thing we've never had any issue with is that Ohio State has a world of talent, probably second only on an annual basis to Alabama clearly superior athletes to Michigan. So what did we see yesterday? We saw the Ohio State athletes make mincemeat out of the Michigan athletes. How many times did we see Ohio State running free in the secondary? Uncatchable. Michigan guys would have – they couldn't cover them. They couldn't tackle them. They couldn't catch them when they had angles. They were clearly and completely overmatched. Um, And Michigan – Basically, was exposed as a funny team because if you look at their schedule, who did Michigan beat? Penn State with a hurt quarterback—that's their best win. They trailed Northwestern. I watched them come back against—they were the trailing Northwestern 17-0. They had to battle their fannies off to get back and pull that rabbit out of the hat. So, who did they beat? They beat anybody outside the conference? No. They play anybody outside the conference? No. Who did they really beat to provide us with this gaudy resume uh, that made it look like they were one of the best four teams in the country? They ran up big numbers against completely and totally mediocre competition, as did Ohio State until yesterday. So now the rush on Ohio State is, hope they've got the best win. We'll do that. They beat a Michigan team who beat no one. Badly in their own building. And who else exactly did they beat? They struggled to beat Maryland who hung half a hundred on. And if not for missing a wide open receiver in the end zone on a two point conversion would have lost to Maryland. And they got for the second year in a row on the road. What kept them out of the postseason final four last year should keep them out of the postseason final four this year. They got absolutely, positively throttled, lamp basted, bludgeoned, use whatever term term you want, by an inferior Purdue Boilermaker squad. Last year it was Iowa at Purdue. That loss is so bad in my mind, just like last year's loss was so bad. If Oklahoma takes care of business and beats Texas in the rematch of the red river Shootout, which is their only loss at the gun in a neutral site if you want to call it neutral right? it's in texas every year at the fairgrounds if they come back and win that game and avenge their only loss i really don't care what ohio state does to northwestern my vote goes to oklahoma for the final four this is again a that alabama beats georgia which I don't think is a big uh, assumption we can make because they could both be on the outside looking in because, as I've told you many times during the weeks we've been together, I think Georgia is probably the second-best team in the country. I think Georgia has a legitimate chance to beat Alabama, and if Georgia does beat Alabama, we will have two SEC teams along with undefeated Notre Dame and undefeated Clemson, and that will be our final score. Otherwise, we will have the same discussion we had last year between Oklahoma, one loss, Big 12 winner, and Ohio State, one loss, Big 10 winner.
0: We could go a little bit smaller picture before we go bigger, starting with Michigan. It's interesting that at some points in the season, at the midway points, there were a lot of discussions about whether Notre Dame was lucky to have played Michigan to start the season and get that win. Maybe that the Wolverines would beat them if it was week eight, week nine, week ten, or even higher up in the season, that Michigan was a better team than Notre Dame. Last couple of weeks, I didn't really see that, and this Ohio State game kind of proved that point. I think Notre Dame could play Michigan tomorrow, and they would be victorious just based on what we were able to see in the past couple of weeks. Jim Harbaugh. A lot of criticism when he was given... A lengthy contract with Michigan when he was looking for a lifetime contract, really, because we weren't quite sure if he would give to Michigan what Wolverines fans want, and that's to beat Ohio State. Year after year, that's where they fall short. They have won a Big Ten. <laughs> I mean, we, we could do that too, but you gotta beat Ohio State. This is another crushing blow to Jim Harbaugh, to Michigan football. And and it's hard for them, though, to be able to say, all right, well, we're just going to get rid of him. Eh, I don't know. There's a lot of money wrapped up in Jim Harbaugh. For Jim Harbaugh, though, I mean, does there come a point where he decides to leave Michigan, maybe go back to the National Football League, take another college coaching job? Can we paint a picture on what we might see come next season or the season after that for Jim Harbaugh? What's going to be the case with him is the question.
1: Well, you know, I, I can never answer a question quickly and briefly, especially one that long. Uh, in, in terms of, as a coach, I'm a big Jim Harbaugh fan. He did an incredible job at San Diego. He did an incredible job at Stanford. He did a tremendous job at San Francisco in the NFL. He's done a good job at Michigan so far. He has not been able to beat Ohio State. Why has he not been able to Ohio State? Because with the exception of two years ago, they've not been as good as Ohio State. Two years ago, they were the better team. Uh, They lost a heartbreaking game, could have well been determined on a bad call. uh, That resulted in that game going into overtime, I thought, a lot of us thought there was a stop on fourth down. Michigan would have won the game. Instead, they said he got the first down, Ohio State wins in overtime. Michigan does not have the players that Ohio State has. It's as simple as that. They cannot match Ohio State in terms of speed and athleticism. They just cannot do it. If you watched it yesterday, if you didn't see it, I mean, you're blind. Michigan beat a lot of mediocre and some decent teams. They beat them with defense. They beat them with solid, simple offense where they got Shea Patterson more involved in running the ball. But, I mean, look at who they're throwing to versus who Ohio State's throwing to. They're they're throwing to one big play guy in Peoples who they double covered all day and took him you know, out of the game in terms of getting down the field. They're throwing the ball to a 6-foot, 8-inch, 260-pound tight end who dropped three huge passes, one for a touchdown, one for a first down uh, on third down when the game was still on the hat, and another one that went through, he jumped too early and got his clock clean on a quasi-target. That's who they're throwing to in a big spot. Ohio State's throwing to guys who are running four 440s all over the field. You know, who they simply can't cover, who they're clearing out. They got one quarterback, Michigan, who they went at all day, number 28, because he couldn't cover a statue. They ran guys underneath on clear outs who, after they caught the ball, didn't get touched for 30 yards because they were created such distance between the defensive back. then they couldn't catch them, even though they had angles on. So it was, and, and there were three chances for Michigan to, to take, I don't want to say take over, but make a statement in that game. Opening kickoff, first play, eight yards up the middle. Second and two. Do they run the ball and try and establish something in a good field position? No, on second and two. Straight drop back. Offensive line gets destroyed. Crushed. Third and nine. Incomplete. Three and out. Minute and a half later, it's seven nine. Then they battle back. Two drives. Ended field goals. Seven, six. Get a third straight stop. Get the ball back at midfield. First and ten. Down seven, six. Chance to now really Continue making your statement. Show a little oomph. Take the lead. Get them on their heels. Three and out. Punt to Iowa State. Next thing you know, Iowa State's got a two-touchdown lead. Then, lo and behold, you know, a touchdown, the boot on the kickoff, the terrible play by the Iowa State, deep player that gave Michigan seven points. Then, inexplicably, let's go for two. That's where I blame Harbaugh. Right. Why are you going for two at 21-19 at the end of the first half? Why are you doing that? You give the momentum right back to the other team. You don't make it. It's 21-19. And then, of course, they go down the field. And luckily for Michigan, don't get a touchdown. They end about the two-yard line. Wind up kicking a field goal to get the momentum back. And then at 27-19, Michigan gets the ball back, has a chance to again put together a drive, get down the field, show them that they're in the mean business, and boom they turn it back over to Ohio State uh, after a short series, and that's your game. 27-19, Ohio State's got the ball back, could turn the sets off there. Every time they had a chance to at least make a statement in the game, put their imprint on the game, they did not have the ability to do it. And they don't have the ability. They don't have the players. I like Shea Patterson. Um, but, you know, against those athletes and who he's throwing to – a lot of errant throws with a lot of, pre- lot of on him. a lot of pressure on them. A lot of pressure on them. You saw throws that were catchable, but they weren't leading guys. You know to where they were open. And on the other hand, the Ohio State quarterback had all day to throw. Zero sacks from that supposedly juggernaut defense had all day to throw. And from watching all these teams play five, six times this year, I've seen this Ohio State quarterback enough to know when you give him time to throw, he's lights out you got to get him to move his feet. you got to get him to move his feet the way Michigan State did early on when they couldn't move the ball, the way Purdue did when they couldn't move the ball. Once he moves his feet, he's got a totally different quarterback. If he's set, he's going to light up. Once he's moving, he's a different kid, at least now as a redshirt sophomore. So he had all day to throw the entire game, and that that was just men playing with boys yesterday. It was just looked like a different level of football. Coming off of that game, watching the way Michigan play with their athletes and the way their athletes got manhandled, I come out saying, Central Florida's got their quarterback, they can play with them. If I'm in the polls and I'm in that room, Central Florida's out of Michigan this, this Tuesday night. If Michigan's still out of Central Florida, something's seriously wrong. Seriously wrong.
0: On the Ohio State front, I agree with you about Purdue you can't lose that game and expect to be able to get into the final four. I mean, they're going to need a ton of help to get consideration if that's going to be the case. And even the games that we've seen them play, this is not the team that lost to Virginia Tech to open the season and then kind of rolled their way through the rest of the regular season. They've had far too many close games for comfort. The Michigan game with an exclamation point at the end of that to, I think, be considered one of the four best teams in the country at this point. I think they would need a lot of help. I'd like to also bring to the table your thoughts on Gus Johnson or the crew in general for Fox. Love Gus Johnson, one of my favorite broadcasters, especially for College Hoops, RIP the NCAA tournament for CBS Days. One of my father's least favorite announcers because of his excitement. Call the damn game, as he says. (laughs) I was curious as to why the decision was made to play the woe is me card as Ohio State was doing well for Urban Meyer. The physical ailments that he's gone through, kind of a redemption tour type of narrative that they were trying to give throughout the game. Again, based off What happened in the off-season? And I told you this would happen. It happened quite early in the year, but here we go again in a big game. We're doing feature stories beforehand. We've got the camera on him all game long. What a trooper he is to fight through his... We don't always need to make redemption tours in sports for the people that don't necessarily deserve the redemption tour. You can say that this was a great win, you can give praise to Ohio State. I think they did a little bit too much. Is all I can say about it. I don't. I didn't need it. All of it. it. It was. It was a little bit too much. Where you felt a little bit uncomfortable, just based on some of the things they continue to repeat throughout the game. I didn't think. Well, we,
1: we got to hear about the headaches. Didn't you know, moving it. in different directions. How are we focusing? you know, not not, not concentrating on certain things so much to avoid the headaches, the health issues. I mean, Gus, give me a break, all right? You know, call the game. Call the game and lighten up a little bit on, you know, this is the time for all of us to stand up and salute the great Urban Meyer and what he's accomplished this year. By the way, they beaten nobody except Michigan. And it basically what I saw yesterday, you know, Everybody said, well, they've got the best win of, of, of you know, between them and Oklahoma. They do. You can tell me, West Virginia couldn't play with Michigan? You tell me, Texas couldn't play with Michigan? You know, enough with the crapping on the Big Twelve. Let's crap on the Big Ten. Wisconsin was supposed to be terrific. They sucked. Penn State was supposed to be terrific. They were mediocre. Right? Northwestern's playing in the championship. Michigan State was supposed to be really good. They stunk. I thought this. I thought this was going to be a great year for the Big Ten. It was not. Right. It is actually a down year for the Big Ten. A down year for the Big Ten because two teams that we thought were going to be terrific were nothing remotely resembling terrific. In fact, they were, one wasn't very good in Wisconsin, and the other one, Penn State, was pretty good, pretty good, and literally that's all. Pretty good. That's Michigan's big win, pounding Penn State with their quarterback banged up. Iowa State's big win, pounding Michigan at home. That's it. That's it.
0: What I'm looking I at – Oph-
1: I, Oph- I, Oph- I think Oklahoma's win against West Virginia is every bit as good. Right. Yeah, none of those teams can stop a strong win. But you want to know what? You go out there and try to stop them. Right. Remember, th- this is the Ohio State team, like I said, gave up half a 100 to Maryland. Maryland. And should have lost. Maryland.
0: Should have lost the game. (laughs) Maryland. What I'm looking at is.
1: Maryland. (laughs) Half a hundred to Maryland. I don't want to hear about Oklahoma's defense. Half a hundred to Maryland.
0: That should be on a shirt, by the way, for the Maryland faithful. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato, I'm John Lund, we'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back, I'm John Lund, he's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. What I'm looking at is, Notre Dame's in no matter what. Sorry folks. I think Alabama...
1: And and can we just throw in, off of, not a nail-biter, but... Nothing remotely resembling their most impressive. Oh right, no, they, they
0: didn't play well against USC, who was viewing that game as, as their season Super Bowl, which they yeah, should have. trying to save their coach's job. Right, which they should have. So I give USC a lot of credit. I give Notre Dame credit for not losing the game, at least pulling out a win at this point
1: on the road. Absolutely, you got a battle. They weren't at their best. USC was playing for everything and, and fought like fought like Trojans. just not good enough.
0: I'll say. Alabama beats Georgia I'll say Clemson's okay with Pitt
1: Let's I go think, back uh, there Can we go back there absolutely. for a minute All right. Before you just say Alabama beats Georgia Tell me Why you think Alabama will beat Georgia And tell me if you think Georgia can compete And if they win Is that a shocker to you Or is it something that you could Go in thinking could reasonably happen.
0: I would say it can definitely happen. As we have mentioned on this show, at least on my end, I think Georgia is the number one team that could compete with Alabama on both sides of the football. Just seeing Alabama basically steamroll their way through the teams that could have given them trouble. And even this Auburn game. Obviously, Auburn's not rolling out Cam Newton not having the greatest of seasons but the game is usually close it's, it's going to be a battle every time you would think this season that Alabama would be tested they've matched that test and then some at least in my eyes and in, of course they haven't played a Georgia esque team yet but every team that they've played where it's oh this is X caliber team this is Y caliber team they've been okay If they're healthy on offense, I don't know if Georgia's quarterback can keep up with Tua for starters. If that's how the game goes, if it ends up being a shootout. If it's a defensive battle, still give a slight edge to Alabama. I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia won, and I wouldn't mind seeing the chaos that ensued from it. But it's hard for me to bet against Alabama just based off of them not really showing much weakness in the games this season where there was a chance that you could see it. They have seemingly have been able to overcome first-half struggles, losing their quarterback, moving around. They've done the things that I needed to see to, to look at this game and not be able to bet against them, to put it in simple terms.
1: Well, I'm not, I would not bet against them. They're the favorite, obviously. Um, you put a gun to my head. Uh, of course, you say Alabama is going to win. But I think Georgia has the weaponry in all aspects uh, that can play with them from an offensive standpoint. And th- th- the key is you got to be able to cover their guys deep. Because what you saw yesterday is even with Tua had pressure but was able to stay in the pocket, stand in the pocket, on the, on the corners, one-on-one. Uh, His wide receivers got open enough, not a lot, but open enough that with his accuracy, and he's very accurate, that's the thing that is really striking about a kid this young. He throws a soft, accurate, deep ball, very catchable. Ironically, he reminds me in terms of the the way he throws the ball of another left-handed Alabama quarterback who you are far too young to remember but I'm sure you've heard of as a pro, you know, the great Kenny the Snake Stabler. He, he throws an incredibly accurate soft ball from the left side. Uh, but you've got to have the corners to cover them deep. You've got to be able to put pressure on Tua. And on the other side of the ball, you've got to be able to run the football. Georgia has two terrific backs. Uh, I think Fromm can handle this kind of game. He showed us last year he can handle it. Uh, he's a year better. They've also got the change of pace pace, in the freshman quarterback, who's the most highly recruited player in the country, who they can bring in and give different looks uh, with his contributions. Uh, they have wide receivers who can fly. Uh, I, I just think it will be, if we ever had a chance uh, to see that as a championship game, which in all probability won't, uh, would make for a great game. You know, we saw it last year. I I think a rematch this year would be tremendous. Um, But we're going to see it in the SEC title game, And I think the team that comes out of the SEC title game is going to win the national championship, whether it's Alabama or Georgia, uh, because you make, in all probability, if Georgia wins, they're probably the two seed. Alabama probably drops to four, which means they get Clemson. That's going to be one of the most intriguing aspects of this. If Georgia should find a way to beat Alabama, does Clemson jump up to one? And does they make Georgia and Alabama play each other again at 2-3? Does Georgia jump up from four to one? Does Bama drop all the way down to four? I would think logically the last thing the committee would want to do would have Georgia and Alabama play again in the semis. I think you would want to. And you, you, there's no. I, I think you can't look at if it panned out whether and whether it's Oklahoma or Ohio State. Um, you know, on the outside looking in. You know, if you're four, are the two SEC teams, Clemson and Notre Dame. I think you probably have Notre Dame in all our minds would be number four. But you know, does Clemson jump up to number one? Does Georgia jump up to number one? Does the committee look at it from the point of view is we really don't want them to play again in the semis? You know, after we just saw them in a knockdown dragout conference championship game. If we got to have them play again, let's have them play in the finals. But then again, maybe not. Maybe have them play, maybe we have, they have them play again you know as the one against the four or the two against the three Clemson jumps up to two right Notre Dame stay you know, or one Notre Dame stays at three I don't know what they would do but I find that aspect of it very intriguing but again we're putting the cart ahead of the horse the 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 short answer to the long question is that I believe that Georgia of all the teams despite what a, what a great year Clemson has had the fact they're undefeated. I still think on a neutral field, the team I have the most confidence in being able to battle Alabama on all sides of the ball, Uh, also special teams, a far superior kicker, far superior, if it ever came down to that, would be Georgia.
0: As it stands now, though, happy days for ACC Radio. Because if Clemson and Notre Dame face each other, we got one in the national championship, no matter what comes our way. But we went from last week posing the question of, are you excited about college football, to this point, to now, we're flying. And it's going to be very exciting heading into the last week to see where everybody ends up. And then more discussion on that, because that's what makes the college football playoff beautiful. There will be discussion on Tuesday, but... It seems like the four are gonna be pretty easily Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Georgia. And I put Clemson behind Notre Dame, not on purpose, but it doesn't really make a difference. To the National Football League, where they play for pay. Okay. <laughs> Is there let's let's start here. Cause interestingly enough, after I put two teams in my graveyard for the rest of the 2018 season, never to be risen again, in the Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars last week. You decided to put one of your picks in the six-pack on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Were you not listening to me last week?
1: are the Bills. Play <laughs> are the Bills. They're
0: we'll get there. Are you ready yet to put any team in your graveyard? Or Are you still a little hit or miss based on some of the better teams in the league? Now, to preface this, you could put crap teams in the graveyard like the Cardinals and the Jets. That's too easy. Looking at teams that maybe had hopes coming into the season and those hopes are dashed. I don't think I have one for this week. I was close with a couple. Not quite well, ready can, to throw we, anybody we can, in.
1: We can now put the Giants officially. See, I didn't have the Giants in because I thought based upon their schedule and the fact that the division stinks, you know, the way the Giants were playing, they, they had a chance to go 9-7. and seven. Well, now we can put the Giants in.
0: Were they like, did they go into halftime today and decide that they were going to tank? Did somebody, one of the owners, call down to the head coach and say, you know what? Saquon was doing his thing. Don't, Odell don't, was doing his thing. Don't, we, give, we him,
1: know, don't give him the we ball. We know that, that the Mike Francesa will take how many calls tomorrow and it, what percentage will be on the Giants and Saquon and the coach 97 and a half, 98, I make the under over? At least. Percent?
0: At least. Non-stop. Five touches for Saquon in the second half. Interesting, interesting game plan. Odell, The other, two per- the other
1: 2% will be on the chats.
0: Oh, yeah. And then the, like, 0.2% will be a legitimate question, and he'll dismiss it because he doesn't think it's a real question and the player is fake and it's a prank call when in reality it's true not knowing who Dino Babers is. Come on, Mike.
1: <laughs> but, you know, a, a team that we would have been just about ready to put out of their misery had they lost that game would have been the defending champs.
0: Oh, absolutely. That was the team but I was talking about. But
1: how they, the table's they, st- they stay alive in the mediocre division. And, you know, really, you know down 12 nothing, In huge trouble in that game as well. Uh, but they find a way to come back, uh, take the lead. Terrible interception by... You know, your veteran quarterback, your quasi-heliphone quarterback, Eli, you know, uh, on the drive, that he just throws an ill-advised ball into coverage, got suckered, uh, had his rookie running back right in front of his face, either didn't see him or didn't want to throw it there, and instead decides to go down the field. Uh, and that ball gets picked off in a, in a huge play. Yes, they still came back and tied it, uh, but of course lost it at the gun. You know, field goal with uh, about 25-30 seconds to go uh, so we can now stick a fork in them uh, we never really counted the Lions did we uh, but we can stick a fork in them yep. uh, the Packers are battling for their lives right now uh, as we near the end of the third quarter on a Sunday down 17-14 to 14. if the Packers lose we can stick a fork in them Uh, There are just too many competitors uh, in the NFC for the wildcard spots, which got more jumbled today with the Seattle comeback win against Carolina, who's now has lost two brutal games in a row after starting six and four. They're six and five. The pounding at the hands of Pittsburgh on Thursday night, the ill-advised two-point conversion. I've told you that this is going to come back to haunt Ron Rivera. And now a heartbreaking loss to, uh, the Seahawks today, where their field goal kicker misses a 52-yarder, and lo and behold, Seattle takes that miss, goes down the field, and uh, the 107-year-old uh, Janikowski kicks one uh, at the gun. And now Seattle is right there at 6-5 and five, uh, with Carolina, and that second wild-card spot in the NFC uh, is uh, – all the uh, wild-card spots in the NFC are totally up for grabs. Uh, because we've really got four divisions that are, I don't want to say determined, but in terms of the places, record-wise, we know that there's going to be one team, for sure, from the West in the Rams. Uh, we know that there's going to be one team from the South you know, in New Orleans. We know there's going to be one team from the East, and there's not going to be a wild card that leaves two potentially one from the south carolina uh, potentially one from the west seattle and you know we think the way things are running. i mean the bears are now in control of the north with their thanksgiving win so the vikings looking to at least get a leg up on one of those other wildcard spots potentially with a win today or a win tonight uh, so you know, this is, this is an incredibly important game for Green Bay. And if they lose, they could well be uh, signed out.
0: I don't think we've ever discussed this, and now's a pretty good time, because there wasn't huge storylines in the National Football League. Some silly losses. Phillip Rivers, gunslinger extraordinaire, 25-plus completions to start the game on fire beating those hapless Cardinals, putting himself in the record books. When you look around the league each week, it's very interesting, and and this is always a talking point on Sports Talk Radio, especially around the draft time, revolving around the running back position, if it's wise to take a player in the top five, if it's wise to just draft in the fifth or sixth round and see what happens. And we see from week to week the benefits of each. My team... With Philip Lindsay, undrafted, shocking. Little guy sprinting through every hole that's available to him, winning games for the Denver Broncos.
1: How does he go undrafted?
0: It's unbelievable. Christian at
1: at a major school like Colorado, their second all-time leading rusher, and he's not drafted. Right.
0: And you have Christian McCaffrey taken high in the draft, stud, amazing player. Hundred yards receiving, hundred yards rushing today. Uh, fantasy football god, thank you, Christian. But you know they lose the game. Three fumble, three fumbles, three correct. fumbles. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's uh, that wasn't the best. And
1: and you have again to show how talent laden they are. That not one, the two Georgia running backs right. taken at the end of the first round and the beginning of the sec- second round. All right. In uh, Chubb and Sony Michelle, uh, both helping their teams again today. Chubb with a remarkable touchdown reception uh, where he reached totally over the Bengal defensive back uh, while going backwards into the ends, catching the ball on the defensive back's back, hanging onto it as they hit the ground, pulling it over the top of his helmet and in. And Michelle rushing for I don't know the exact number but around 135 yards. You know another huge game for him in helping the Patriots over the lowly Jets. Two guys that I loved coming out, two guys I desperately wanted the Ravens uh, one of to get their hands on, uh, but of course they traded up to get uh, you know, what may be their next quarterback. That remains to be seen. But just to further prove your point, the running game is back. Drafting a running back or signing a running back, in your team's case, uh, to be an integral part of your offense, young legs can be huge. And for all of these teams, it really has been, we need to look no further than New Orleans. Uh, Ingram was the Heisman Trophy winner, high-round pick. But they stole Kamara last year, I believe in the fourth round, correct me if I'm wrong, regardless, third, fourth, a pure heist, And he has been really, I think, in the last two years for that team, the biggest difference maker for Drew Brees. Because he's given Drew Brees a game-breaker of a player wherever he touches the ball on the field. Whether it's behind the offensive line and a running play, whether it's out in the flat on a reception, whether it's over the middle on a reception, whether it's down the field on a reception, he can literally score from anywhere on the field. He is that electric. And he's not one of those guys who is, you know, 5'10 and 180. He's a big, strong kid who can fly, has great balance, great footwork, and can literally score from any spot on any play out of any formation in which he gets the ball. And that just speaks volumes to what you just said in terms of the impact uh, that these guys are making.
0: Well, it's just it's amazing that there's still no tried-and-true method. You can't put anything set in stone. Saquon Barkley, phenomenal. Giants aren't winning any football games. Ezekiel Elliott, phenomenal. He does help the Cowboys win football games here and there. James Conner from the cloud, stepping in for Le'Veon Bell, not missing a beat, making their running game successful. It's just amazing that we've seen so much success happen from the guys that you wouldn't expect it from, and then see the same success from the guys that were taken with the third, fourth, or fifth pick, but the team in general isn't doing well, and they can't get victories. It's amazing that there's no, well, this is what you should do type of answer for it yet. That's what's been making it so exciting at the running back position because you could just throw a dart at the board in the sixth round and end up with gold, Or you could take what you expect to be gold, but that might not make your team overall a better one. It's such an interesting dynamic, and it is fun to have that running aspect be a huge part of the National Football League again.
1: Perfect example, and it's not because it's my Ravens. The kid out of Rutgers, his second straight 100-plus yard game you know, in back-to-back wins for the Ravens. Um, you never know where you're going to find them. Free agency, draft, high, low. The bottom line is they have huge impact on what your offense can and can't do. And you know, we, we see it literally every week. All shapes, all sizes, all colors. Um, size, speed power uh, all variations thereof Uh, all making quick friends of their quarterback
0: let's take a quick break to pay the bills he's al renato i'm john lund we'll be right back with the new report old report here on sports radio america we welcome you back on john lund he's al renato and this is the new report old report three quick points that I have remaining on the NFL. Number one, speaking of the Saints, hilarious the way Sean Payton decided Drew Brees was going to throw to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that they have on the roster to get guys their first career touchdowns, basically just trolling everyone on Thanksgiving that, you know what, we got a couple great receivers, arguably one of the top three best in the National Football League, Michael Thomas. We're just gonna throw it to whomever we like today and get everybody to touch the ball and get a touchdown. Hilarious for that. Number two, another hilarious moment. Cleveland Browns facing the Cincinnati Bengals. Their now former head coach, Hugh Jackson, on the sidelines. Interception, Browns. The gentleman runs over, hands the ball to Hugh. Thank you very much. After the game, Baker Mayfield asked about having him on the sidelines and gave a very perfect Baker Mayfield answer in, yeah, you know, this guy asked us to go out there and play for him every week and fight for him every week, and then before you know it, he drops us at the drop of a hat and goes over to Cincinnati. I mean, paraphrasing, of course, but I thought he had a great response to that question, short and to the point. Number three, my Denver Broncos coming from the clouds. Going from, boy, I guess we're packing this in for a draft draft pick, Vance Joseph on the hot seat, to, are we going to try and make the playoffs now? Because they're not playing anybody good the rest of the way, except for the Chargers at at the end of the season. And by then, the Chargers could just be sitting there, guys, in Week 17, already clinching their spot. Bengals, Browns, Raiders, Cardinals, I think. I, I mean, not really shaking in your boots if you're a Broncos fan looking at the rest of the way. An ugly win today, an unexpected win today, but how the tables have turned in a couple Aaron throws from Big Ben.
1: Most shocking outcome of the weekend as far as I'm concerned. As you know from my six-pack.
0: That's right. And it was the 49ers, <laughs> not the Cardinals. I mistook the uh, you know, the red and maroon e- stadium, e-
1: Either but. way. Either way. E- either way. I mean, the, the of that bunch, you know, clearly, you know, outside of San Diego, of course, the Browns are the, the toughest one. Uh, you know, and who would have ever thought we would have said that? Right. Toughest game left on your schedule besides the Chargers is the Browns. Bodes well for the rest, of, for, for, for the Broncos. Uh, very surprised at the outcome of that game today. But never know, you never know what happens when you go into Denver, as we've talked about before. Tough place to win.
0: Yeah. First time Baker being there too. You got to figure the Broncos will be favored in that game to win. All right, let's hold our breaths and uh, get this six back out of the way
1: again. (laughs) Well, a stellar college weekend for yours truly. As I go two and one and I'm going first because my picks are always in first. So, you know, age before beauty. So, uh, you know, I go first there as well. Uh, I, I thought I was in really good shape for a sweep. Uh, I took the alma mater, plus six, Syracuse, up to BC, Chestnut Hill. Uh, never in doubt with the six. The win, it, 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 it points, you know, it got back to a touchdown lead. But the Cuse puts it away uh, comfortably, 42-21, finishes 9-3. and three. Puts themselves in pretty good, you know, in, in pretty good position for a nice bowl game. You know, maybe they get an Outback Bowl out of it or, or a Gator Bowl. You know, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll see. But you know, a, a, a good season. Two losses of the three losses are to Final Four teams, and the other one because of the goofy configuration of the ACC was to Division Champion Pitt. So quality losses all, you know, Pitt in overtime which they gave away, Clemson on a last possession at Clemson, the only team to stay on the field with them, and then obviously the lamp basting at the hands of the Fighting Irish. So that was an easy win, Uh, no no problem there. Very proud of uh, of of the way they bounced back. Um, My second pick was uh, really. You had to look back on it late, but rivalry game. Uh, I, as you know, love Georgia. I thought at 14 and a half, the line was taking candy from baby. I think it was 14 and a half. Um, up 45-7. You know, 45-21, I'm starting to think, you know, are the walk-ons on? But that one pretty handy, uh, pretty, pretty, one pretty handily. And Auburn's down 17-14 plus 24 and a half in the iron ball. So I'm thinking uh, three in a row for AWP. And then obviously, we all know what happened in the second half. Uh, never to be heard from again. We go two and one as Alabama comes back and punishes Auburn uh, in the second half. So two and one on the college front for yours, Trevor.
0: Well, cue taps for me because it was one of those weeks. Also went with Auburn. Very unfortunate. Took Clemson because that's been the theme of me for the six-pack on our show, and Clemson usually doesn't let me down with their ridiculous lines. Another ridiculous one this week, 26-and-a-half in a rivalry game. Oh, so close. Oh, so close. They did have a chance. For whatever reason, they were still scoring with, like, 35 seconds to go. I thought maybe there'd be an errant fumble or interception when South Carolina got the ball back and tried to do the same at the end, but such was not the case. And Sticking in the ACC, went with NC State, playing a, a terrible team. Oh, I shouldn't say that, Being working for ACC Radio. They won the game. They did not go for the extra point in overtime, of course, and only won by six. 0 for 3. Taps plays loud and clear. and it's Which not... also
1: resulted in the firing of the North Carolina coach. Yes,
0: said. yes, it did, which that's nice it would have been nice to get the extra point
1: <laughs> for the push and, and also a pretty wild brawl ensuing in the end. Zone.
0: Yes. And uh, we'll keep taps playing in the background because it's not going to get much better as we continue here, at least for mine.
1: Uh, one and two for me, uh, I, I think I deserve some kind of booby prize for, this may have been the first time in the NFL portion of the six-pack that anyone's taken the Bucks this year. You're right about it truly was that. for me. So in, in terms of a gutsy pick, I, I took the bucks at what I thought was a very cheap line, minus two, because I knew Winston was starting, and I, I happen, as a player, I happen to like Jameis Winston. A, a, as a person, he's a tool, all right? He, he just can't get over himself. Uh, He just can't figure this thing out. He can't stop being an absolute positive schmo. But I actually think he's got a chance, if he'd ever get his head on straight off the field, I think he's got a chance to be a very good NFL quarterback. We've certainly seen glimpses of it. And we saw more of it today in a start as they handled the Niners without any trouble at all, uh, minus two. Uh, The aforementioned Jags, I I just thought if they're ever going to win a game, this is the one, right? right. It, what, what, what if we thought that line would have been in the beginning? Well, maybe not Maybe not that much different, you know, coming off the offseason when the Bills made the playoffs, but at the beginning of the year when we saw what the Bills were and the Jags were out 3-0, and 3-1, oh, what do we make that line? Probably ten and a half, eleven 11 on the road. They're laying three in Buffalo. I'm all over it. Never had a chance. Never had a chance. Never had, never had the lead. So – You know, that one bites the dust. And, you know, play number three, uh, you know, chance to go two and one uh, and and get a four and two out of it for the weekend. Uh, But, uh, you know, simply just, you know, not to be, not to be. And
0: <laughs> at the hands of my Denver Broncos, too, on top. I, I
1: just, you know, you have to remember, as a Ravens fan and an original Browns fan, it pains me to pick the Steelers. But I figure, all right, they pulled the rabbit out of the hat last week. They're on fire. No disrespect to your team. They're not very good. Oh, no. You know, the Steelers should be able to go up and down the field in this game, which they did. But lo and behold, despite the fact they went up and down the field, they couldn't score. Four turnovers, I believe. Three interceptions for Big Ben, I believe. I lost count. And, you know, again, I figure a cheap line on the road. Pittsburgh minus three in Denver. I think they're going to win the game. Whenever I think a team's going to win the game, I'll lay the three. on yeah. uh, no, sir. Absolutely not. Can't even get it to overtime. So two and one in the college front, one and two in the pros, three and three overall, an incredibly successful week for AWP on the sixth ball.
0: Taps continues for me. I did pick up a win with the Giants getting four points. I took that on purpose because I actually put real American money on the Eagles to win straight up. And as you would expect, that came down right to the wire. Not a great look. Of course it did. Can't make things easy. I don't even know why I did because it didn't make much of a difference since I had taken the money line, but I did it just for fun. Got the win, though. They only lost by three. Colts giving away eight and a half. Too much.
1: What was, what, what was the money line, 130?
0: For the Eagles? Yeah. Oh, it was like minus 220. They really? were They were very much favored in the game, which I thought was a little surprising. I figured it'd be closer to, like, at least in the 100s. It was in the twos. I'm shocked. Yeah, it it was ugly, but there was a promotion going on, a double your money type thing if they won, so I figured, well, let's roll the dice. Colts, great win in real life. Not a great win with the spread, giving away and a half, only winning by a field goal, but thankfully they still won. Uh, Real quick on that, I don't know why, Eric, when you have your star quarterback finally playing some of his best football of his career... Why you would put him out at wide receiver and allow him to get walloped
1: Just catching a ball Mind 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 bombing. What do you do? Mind-numbing. Mind-numbing. What do you, do? you know, th- They are now one for two uh, in that in that play this year. Uh, for football fans everywhere, NFL fans, let alone Colt fans and Andrew Luck fans, let's hope that the rest of the NFL season and for the rest of his career, their record on that play is 0-0. That one should be removed from the playbook, sent to the Sun. Or like, whoever, if you're going to do it, look switch right the right. quarterbacks. Right. Switch the quarterbacks out. Don't have
0: Andrew Luck catch you, you cannot it. Cannot have him throw it.
1: Have him throw, throw
0: him it. Uh, Taps continues, who great, though.
1: Who made a tremendous catch on that, by the He way, did. For a quarterback. <laughs> and did. then got absolutely yeah. have broken ribs all over.
0: Right. And thankfully they hit his left shoulder and not his right. All right. But as I mentioned, Taps continues because I took the Packers plus three and a half at the time of this recording. They are down 10, in the, eh, 10 minutes in the fourth quarter, give or take, looking awful against the Minnesota Vikings, and a step in the door for the graveyard come next week. So there's a little tease for you folks. Not looking good for Green Bay. We'll have more to rant about that next week real quick Al I just have to ask a simple question did you watch the match between your boys Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods
1: my boys absolutely <laughs> so, well, you say that because they're two old men absolutely not uh, I saw the low lights uh, that was finished in the headlights uh, I just I, I couldn't bring myself to watch it I'd, I'd much rather watch them duel in the sun in the real world Uh, when there's something really on the line. As
0: I say every week, it's always a pleasure. We'll have more chaos and drama next week, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: We hope everybody had a tremendous Thanksgiving weekend. Have a great week. Until next week, for John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. from White Plains. Have a great week, everybody.